Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nostalgia Crew, your monthly podcast of all things, well, nostalgic. Of course, it's the usual two of myself, Bill, and Danielle. Hello. And this month, we're going to be talking about Thanksgiving, because Thanksgiving is right around the corner, and um, we're also going to talk about some other news that we might have. There's really not a lot of news that I know of. I Like, there's maybe like one or two I want to get into. Yeah, I have a thing that I meant to talk about last month, but I forgot, so... <laughs> oh, actually, that's a good thing that you um, reminded me, because, um, well, how about this? Um, why don't you, just for a minute, Okay. Um, talk to them about something that you've been watching as of late. I'm going to get a magazine because I wanted to do something with you last month that I did not get to do. So this should only take a minute. So go right ahead. Well, um, I guess, um, I'm just going to say we have a few anniversaries I want to get out there. Um, my, um, the soap opera that I have been watching since, I was a teenager on and off Days of Our Lives. Um, last, I think it was two weeks ago, or last week, celebrated their 50th anniversary. So happy anniversary. I don't know if there are any Days fans listening, but happy anniversary. Also, um, happy anniversary to the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes. It turned 30 this week. I was stunned to hear that. I actually had no idea. I got an email from my boss of all people and said yeah, Calvin and Hobbes debuted 30 years ago today. Really weird. Um, but happy anniversary to Calvin and Hobbes. And also in a few weeks we will be celebrating the 50th anniversary of a Charlie Brown Christmas. So happy mm. anniversary to them. Yes. That was going to be one of the uh, I'm back by the way. Okay. That was going to be one of the things that I was going to bring up. Okay, yeah. Oh my god, yes. This month, so I was getting them out of the way. Um, the soap, Days of Our Lives that I grew up on, is 50 years old this month. Calvin and Hobbes is 30. It's 30. Yeah, so getting them all out. And, and I, I, I want to mention this as well because I did the, um, some may call it an honor, some might say horror, but this month is the 30th anniversary of the wrestling album. The very, um, it's the very first album that WWE ever did, and, um, I like it for the nostalgic purpose. I mean, this isn't my album of the month, by the way. Um, (laughs) um, but I mean, the wrestlers sing on the album. Like, Mean Gene does a cover of Tutti Frutti. Wow. Which is ended up becoming, like, his theme song. Um, That's really interesting. It, yeah, I'll send, you, I'll send you the link later with his rendition. Yeah, but I just, when you think of, like, I'm, I'm not as, you know, a wrestling fan like you are, but I have watched a few um, mm-hmm. episodes of SmackDown here and there, and I, when the wrestlers enter and they have their theme song, you don't really think of something like Tutti Frutti. <laughs> I mean, I you know, it's always like some tough like rock anthem. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna rip your face off. Or well, something. yeah. Well, 
I mean, the difference is, you know, when it came out, you know, it was for an entertainment purpose, you know. Yeah. yeah. But on that same album is um, Real American, uh-huh. which Jim Boy Star and I have said is probably the greatest wrestling theme song of all time. And quick story for those that do care. At first, it was not used for Hulk Hogan. It was used, it was originally used for a tag team, Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda. Well, a little bit after the album came out, they both left WWF at the time. Uh So Hogan's like, well, why don't I use it? And the rest, as they say, is history. Um, it's like I said, it's a good thing you did mention Charlie Brown, um, the Christmas special yeah. 50th anniversary, because believe it or not, I have an exclusive clip of the this special that's going to air, and it's going to air on the 30th of November. I think that's very important that we should let everyone know. Right. Is it's going to air on the 30th of November. Yeah. So, here's a brief clip of that audio. Well said. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, on the November 30th, it is, well, first they're going to be airing a retrospective special where they're going to have some celebrities and a few people talk about you know, the impact it had, because, I mean, it's been on every year for 50 years straight. Oh, yeah. That's that in and of itself. So, um, and then they're going to air the special, which I appreciate because lately with these Charlie Brown specials, they've been airing the original special and then airing like a really bad updated one. And it's just, I don't know. (laughs) No, but I think, you know, because Rudolph, I think, is already 50. Or yes, cl- or yeah, close Rudolph to it. celebrated 50 last year, I remember. Okay. Yeah. And, um, um, in fact, they made a really funny commercial that aired around the time where um, all the CBS stars were greeting Rudolph on the soundstage. They had, like, the cast of the Big Bang Theory and yeah. the cast of NCIS all saying, happy birthday. Yeah. And it's not going to be for a while, but I know the 50th of Frosty the Snowman is going to be coming up within the next several years. Oh, okay. I For some reason, I thought the Frosty and Rudolph were the same age, I guess. No, they're not. Ah. Uh. Um, speaking of anniversaries, uh-huh. and this is what I went upstairs for while you were talking. Right. Um, about a month ago, I received uh, Entertainment Weekly, uh-huh. and they did a big... 25th anniversary issue right. of the magazine, and there were three different covers. Uh-huh. The one that I got was of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh. And I and, and there are a bunch of people that, you know, are into that movie. Oh, yeah. So I'm not going to make fun of you <laughs> on that. Um, but what... There was in the magazine, besides a bunch of reunions that they talk about and have. Yeah. And they even mention who 
the very first person on the cover of this magazine was. Oh, Entertainment Weekly? Mm-hmm. Really? I will give you $25 if you can tell me who was on the cover. I have no... 25 years ago, so this would be 1990. 1990. I was going to say Julia Roberts, but I'm probably wrong. See, I would think that too. Yeah. But it wasn't. Yeah. It was Katie Lang. Wow. covers a wide variety of, um, I don't want to say entertainment, but usually people think of uh, movies and television, but I get, but it is music as well, so yeah, I guess that's what kind of makes sense. The main thing I remember about Entertainment Weekly is um, when I was a teenager, there was a show on MTV called The Blame Game. Where if you were, um, say you had broken up with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you could come on the show, the blame game. Right. And it was set up like a courtroom and you got like your own attorney and you would all, and basically the object of it was to find out who was the blame for the breakup and the audience would vote. And the, um, loser not only had to apologize on national television, the, um, person could either decide to accept their apology or if they didn't accept it, they would they gave them a Polaroid camera and they would snap the picture and it would be published in that month's Entertainment Weekly oh. under the heading, Do Not Date This Blame Game Loser. Oh, my and God. I, and I remember, yeah, and they used to do that every month. That was a... Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. For a fun magazine. Well, they don't have that in this uh, issue, this particular issue. Yeah, it's it's a month old, so you won't you guys won't be able to get it now. But they did something very interesting for their movie, TV, music, and books section. Uh huh. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna play a game. Okay. All right. All right. The game is called "We Called It, We Blew It." Ooh. Now what's gonna happen here is I'm gonna give Danielle. Three options. Okay. She, you have to figure out which one did they blow it. Okay. Basically, meaning they thought that this, you know, whatever it was, was going to be bad, mm-hmm. and it ended up being real successful. Okay. So we're gonna start with movies. All right. Not an easy one. I think. Yeah. Alright, so I, I've already picked my three. You have to figure out the one that they blew it on. The one that, so now, let me get this straight. They thought this movie would be bad, but it really wasn't. Exactly. Okay. And it ended up being very successful. Okay. Alright, so here are your three choices. Alright. Toy Story, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, and Pretty Woman. Very good, Danielle. You are correct. I I had a very um only because I remember when Lord of the Rings came out. I, in fact, I saw it the day it came out. Oh, really? Yes, it did. Um, it was our school's um, Christmas party. We I was in high school, and that's what we did. Mm. 
by the way, I do not recommend doing that. <laughs> um, class, if you're thinking of doing that as a class field trip, I, I suggest you wait a few weeks. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you won't find feeding together. I can almost guarantee you. Um, but anyways, I had guessed Pretty Woman because I remember reading about it and it was originally a darker film and the original title was $300 because that's what he paid. Right. So, I don't know. It just seemed like... I I, just, yeah. Here's the brief write-up from this one. Uh, 20 years after the fact, Gleiberman called his pan of this beloved romantic comedy the most infamous review I have ever written or probably ever would write. He initially dismissed it as a plastic screw-up soap opera. Julia Roberts wouldn't be wrong to tell him, big mistake, huge. Graded this movie a D. To be fair, if you're not really a fan of romantic comedies, you probably wouldn't like Pretty Woman. To be fair. Other movies that they did not like when they reviewed it include Fight Club, Mm-hmm. And let the right one in. Never heard of that. The ones that they did call, well, the two that I mentioned, Toy uh-huh. Story and the First Lord of the Rings. Right. And Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. So Danielle is one for one. Woohoo! Hold on a sec. All right. Danielle has a cold, so. Yeah, she's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a, a little under the weather for this, mm-hmm. though. All right, this next one, I don't think it's going to be as easy. Okay. So now we've moved into TV. Okay. Which one, which show of the three did they blow it? Friends, Dawson's Creek, Veronica Mars. Ooh, this is a tough one because... I remember when Dawson's Creek came on. I remember it. And I'm torn between Dawson's Creek and Friends. I'm really, I, because, I know when Friends first came out, it didn't get good reviews. Mm-hmm. And Dawson's Creek was kind of, well, I'm going to go with Friends. You are incorrect. It was Dawson's Creek. It was Dawson's Creek. Yeah, I knew it was. I knew it had to be one of them, cause um, I remember Dawson's Creek was weird for some people. I remember the T magazines I read used to rent a column um, because Dawson's Creek would use like really, really big words and like things you wouldn't hear on like a normal teen show mm-hmm. so there would run a column called what did dawson say and they'd have like the definitions for all the words yeah <laughs> great. here here's the review that they or the little write-up from this one yeah sometimes there's no accounting for teen taste even tucker's then 16 year old couldn't predict the drama's success quipping it's like my so-called life without the life sad dawson Especially because my so-called life only ran one season. Yeah, it only did one season, and it's got this huge following. Yeah, it's really critically acclaimed, so. The other shows that they blew it, Sex in the City, Mm -hmm. and Pretty Little Liars. 
Sex and the City, I can understand because it was different. The first season was different than the rest of the series. See, and that's why I didn't pick that one for this one because I figured you would have gotten that one. Sex and the City, they used to have like on the street interviews as part of the show, so it's kind of weird. And the other show that they called it right, along with Friends and Veronica Mars, Twin Peaks. Hmm. Another critically acclaimed short loop show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So Danielle is one for two. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to go into music. Oh. All right. So on this one... You have to name, and, I, and I'm going to give you the album as well, and the mm -hmm. artist. You have to name the album that they blew it on. Okay? Oh, okay. So, which album did they blow it on? Pearl Jam 10, Kanye West, uh, what's, is it 808S? Is that how... I think so. I, yeah. All right, we'll call it 808S right. and Heartbreak, and Adele 19. Which one did they blow it on? Huh. I'm going to say Kanye West. Hold on. Finish and eat. Sure, sure. Uh, my dinner is brought to you by uh, DP Dell. Oh, they Lovely. do awesome calzones. Um, Ooh, calzones. I love calzones. If you have, if you're near a college town, definitely go get it. Um, that is incorrect. Aw. It was actually Pearl Jam. Really? Here's what they wrote. Pearl Jam were pioneers of the Seattle Sound with huge tunes like Alive and Evenflow. But EW shrugged off their 1991 debut with a dismissive... B minus. Uh, Nothing much to add to that. <laughs> not really. I'm not really what you call a Pearl Jam fan, so I can't really. You know. okay. The other albums that they blew it on: Janet Jackson's Janet. Wow. And Joan Osborne Relish. Oh my. And for the called it. Besides Kanye and Adele, the other one, Jeff Beckley, or Jeff Buckley, Grace. The Janet Jackson one really surprising, because that was probably one of her bigger albums. Yeah. Dates, yeah. All right, Danielle, one more. You could, uh, you could get yourself to 500 woo! on this last one. All right. Books. Oh no. Unfortunately, no romantic novels on this. I know. That's why I said, "Oh no." It's <laughs> gonna be. Um. Hmm. Which? Okay. I'm gonna give you the three. Okay. You have to guess the one that they blew it. Bridget Jones's Diary. London Fields. The Hunger Games. Which one did they blow it on? Okay, well, one of those I haven't heard of, so that... <laughs> um, 
Christmas Jones and the Pirates? No. It was the Hunger Games. Nope. Oh, it was the one I've never heard London of. Fields. Well, to be fair, I can't really have an opinion about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here's what they wrote about that. Reviewers fawned over what they called the Great London Novel, but our critic wrote, London Fields has its moments, but they are submerged in 470 pages of polar-lading cleverness and eager-to-displease overkill. They got a C grade. Mm. Other books that they blew it on include A Knight Without Armor from Jewel and The Goldfinch, Donna Chart. Jewel's book Goldfinch? Yeah, it was a poetry book. Yeah, I knew she wrote poetry, I just didn't know she had done that. Uh, the other book that succeeded, or that they called, was The Perfect mm. Storm. Yeah, I remember that book. Well, it's a movie, too. Yeah. Well, actually, all three of the ones that they called it ended up becoming a movie. I wonder if the London Field movie did well, because... Uh, Let me see. Yeah, one. let's see if they even made one. Because, um, that, to be fair, I would have never heard of Bridget Jones' Diary or The Hunger Games if it wasn't a movie. Right. Actually, no, I would have heard of The Hunger Games because I have tons of friends who read Okay. Um, actually, London Fields came out this year. Uh huh. Uh, when did it come out? Uh, it didn't. It doesn't say when. Okay. Um, here are some of the people that are in the movie. Jamie Alexander, who's currently on the blacklist, or not the blacklist, uh, Blind Spot. Okay. Cara Delevingne, Amber Heard, Theo James, Billy Bob Thornton, and Jason Isaacs. Okay. Some of those names sound vague. Um, obviously Billy Bob Thornton, but the others do sound familiar. Here's the storyline. Clairvoyant Femme Fatale Nicola Six played by Amber Heard, has been living with a dark premonition of her impending death by murder. She begins a tangled love affair with three uniquely different men, one of whom she knows will be her murderer. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. So probably this... Um, this will probably be one of those, like, Oscar movies that people are going to talk about. Yeah. It always seems like the Oscar movies they talk about really aren't as, some of them aren't as huge, but they're like, they were critically acclaimed. And it's always when they come out in November and December. That's the other thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's always the movies that come out at the end of the year. Not, you know, during the beginning. Why can't you, you know, and it hasn't, okay, it actually has not come out yet, but it will be coming out this year. Mm-hmm. So, um, ooh. Anyway, so that was our little game. Danielle did all right. She went one for three. Kind of not all right. Well, no, I mean, I mean, it's better, or one for four. I mean, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's better. It's better than going zero for four. Yeah, 
That's true. It wasn't a shutout. Exactly. There you go. You got the first one right off the bat. All right. Um. So, Danielle, what what else would you like to bring up? Well, I had meant to discuss this last month because we did spend a good deal of time talking about it this summer before it happened, but... Did, how did you feel about Marge and Homer's separation, if you saw that episode? I, I, I did see it. Yes. Um, so this will be a little bit of a spoiler alert. For yeah, the, for well, I feel like this. It aired almost two months ago. If you haven't seen it... Uh, probably, there are probably some that haven't seen it. I... I I was kind of disappointed, personally. Oh, well, I, yeah, I figured you would have been. I thought that the, I understand why it ended the way it did, because there were some things on there that made it unfortunate implications that if it hadn't. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I felt like they took it too far. Okay, describe how they took it too far. I get that it was a dream, but then they made it a dream inside of a the dream. dream inside of a dream. Right. That, I thought, they could have just said it, it was a dream. Yeah, I, I'll give you that. And the fact that it was a dream does seem like a cop-out, but at the same time, um, Lena Dunham's character gives Homer some pills and then gives them alcohol, and then they have sex, and that kind of has bad implications. Yes, so. it does. So kids don't so do you that. you kind of had to... There, there was no way you could really put that in there and have it be based in reality and be like, oh, it's okay. No. I, I think what bothered me, um, could, and I mean, it wasn't a big bother. Yeah. Was the fact that the person that Marge was dating was the father of the girlfriend that Homer was dating. Right. I think that one worried, bothered me a bit, but it wasn't, like, worried to the point where it's like, oh, my God, this is absolutely stupid, ridiculous. Um, but I, I, in the end, I, I think the dream within a dream within a dream would, was probably the only way they could have gone. Yeah, I get it. It's just that they didn't have to make the dream so labored. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get, the gag kind of, after they did it two layers, I was like, okay, let's, you know, but they did so many layers to the point where it's like, okay, what was... Yeah. So... I can understand. But at the same time, you have um, over 20 seasons of Homer and Marge breaking up episodes, so what is there left to do? Like, mm -hmm. you know, see a dream, within a dream, within a dream, you know? <laughs> so, um... I, I, I kind of I, I kind of get it. So. Yeah. And I also heard I haven't watched the show since, and it's not because I was pissed. I just forgot to. <laughs> um, but um, I heard that Sofia Vergara made an appearance as Bart's teacher. Oh, is that the one I missed? Oh. Yeah, because they actually wrote Mrs. Krabappel's death into the show. Yeah, they did. I, I remember that. It, it's. I didn't think they would. I thought... Well, um, it was a nice little tribute at the end. Of, I, I think it was either last season or the season right. before. They was, did a tribute at the end, and I thought, okay, that's just a tribute to the actress. But in last season's Christmas episode, Homer actually asked Flanders how he's been coping with Edna's death. Mm -hmm. So they wrote it in. 
which is kind of sad. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, but um, I, I kind of get why they had to do it. And um, of course, though, ever ever since my addiction to the buzzer channel, which is something I wanted to talk about last month, but I didn't. Uh, there's a lot of things we wanted to talk about yeah. last month. Um, see, this is why we didn't review anything this month. So, um, no, like lately, like there are times where I'll watch Super Password. Yeah. And Marsha Wallace is on there. She's also was on the match game. Match game. Yep, she was on there too. So. Because she used to be on the Bob Newhart show in the 70s. Mm -hmm. She's pretty famous. Yeah, it, it's kind of weird because to see her and you have and it dawns on you. Because, I mean, she's been Mrs. Krabappel pretty much almost my whole life. So, and then it dawns on me, oh, yeah, she's gone. And it's kind of weird to see. Yeah. But, yeah, buzzer, we don't get it here in Baltimore. Oh, that sucks. I have mixed feelings about it because um, the guy who runs one of the YouTube channels I subscribe to is going through a copyright issue because of them. So he's kind of, so I'm kind of like on the fence. And a lot of people in our group are like, no, we're going to boycott the channel. But, um, but however, that I have watched, there are people who are uploading buzzer clips to YouTube episodes on mm -hmm to YouTube, and I do watch them, um, the upload to YouTube. My favorites are Let's Make a Deal and Tattletales. Those are my two favorites. Yeah, and Tattletales is fun. I mean, I like, love Tattletales. I mean, at first, I was getting a little annoyed because it was the same three couple, um, you know, like, it, I think it was like, yeah, I mentioned it last time, too, like, you know, but they changed it up, so I'm glad that... Well... Tattletales also aired five days a week, so they would have the same couple on all five no, days. No, yeah, I know. So you're watching. But I'm kind of, I, even though I, you know, have mixed feelings about it because of what my friend's going through, I like that it's introducing a lot of people I know to classic game shows. Yeah. Because I have loved classic game shows. Um, I used to, a lot of these shows used to air on GSN, Game Show Network when I was a teenager and I watched them all the time after school and my sister and her boyfriend get buzzer and they um, watch it. And they told me, they said, you know, I kind of like Monty Hall's version of let's make a deal better than Wayne Brady's. And I said, yeah, that's, Oh God. Yeah. They said, you know, it's much, and they said, it's an interesting, um, it's kind of almost like a associate, sociology experiment because she's like you know things were different in those days things cost differently in those days yes they did people um sometimes there were you know female contestants who got married right outside of high school and you know didn't have as much knowledge of things and you can kind of tell so i in that respect i'm glad that you know that's happening and also another great sociological experiment watch card sharks because they do They'll card sharks. They'll say like we surveyed. Um, a hundred people. One, yeah, yeah, like one hundred <coughs> women. Um, one hundred uh, men. Do you think um, if you had the opportunity to be a stay-at-home dad, would you do? Would and you? I mean, nowadays it's common, but this is like nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah. So it's almost unheard of. So it, it's kind of interesting to see how the country's changed, how attitudes changed, how mm -hmm. things changed. and also how cheap stuff was. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
So today's big deal is worth eight thousand one hundred dollars. Like I watched some people upload the um the early episodes of The Price Is Right, and they had a new car that cost like half my college tuition. Wow. <laughs> so it's I, I find it a lot of fun to watch old game shows and see how cheap things are and. Um, also, I sometimes Google the products to see if they still exist. <laughs> oh, my God. I did that with, um, I think it was like Spiegel Catalog. Yes, yeah, Spiegel Catalog. And yeah, they still so exist. I highly, I mean, I, like I said, bugger mixed feelings, but if you get on YouTube, there's tons of old game shows on YouTube, so I highly recommend go out there, watch it. it it's it's very educational and fun experience. If you ever... I want to mention two game shows that I've watched that has caught my attention um, right. for different reasons. Right. The first one I'm going to mention is Sale of the Century. Oh, my God. Oh if, my you, God. if you are looking for the definition of just greed is good in the 80s, this is the show. Oh, sad note, the host actually passed away today, Jim. Oh, really? Yeah, he did Card Sharks. Yeah, he did Card Sharks, and he did Sailor Century. Century. He's 18 years old, so... Aww. Okay, anyway, so... And I liked him. So, so for those who have never watched Sailor Century, or have even heard of it, um, it's a trivia show, trivia game, and you get offered during the game, you know, like, little, like, deals. So, say, like, for example, a TV. Uh, the TV is for $780, but today on Sale of the Century, you can buy it for $11. And then Jim Perry will go over and, you know, he'll be like, Oh, this is a nice TV, Suzanne. I know your daughter really would want one. <laughs> yeah, and she's really, really creepy. So it's like, and, and then sometimes he'll be like, I'll knock a dollar off. I'll make it ten dollars. Like the precursor to Deal or No Deal. Basically, yeah, it is. Yeah. With the exception of here, it's trivia and Deal or No Deal. It's just luck. Yeah. So, so that so, you know, they they do the game, um, and then the winner of the game. And this is the part that sort of you know blows my mind. But watching right. watching clips on YouTube of later years of this show, yeah, it makes me understand it better. Uh -huh. So, um, let's say Jim Bob, um, <laughs> you know, won the game. Mm -hmm. And so he's got to make a decision. Does he want the prize that he could afford because of how much he won since he's a new champion, which will, um, we'll, we'll, we'll call it, um, we'll call it a desk. Okay. Okay. Which will cost like seventy eight dollars, or do you want to put? So basically, it's this: if you buy the product after you win the game, that's it. You leave. Right. But if you put that money in the bank, you stay, and they add another thousand dollars to the big jackpot that they have. Right. And it's like all these different prizes. This is such the definition of 80s greed. I, th that's the best way I could put it. I was going to say gluttony, but then I remember gluttony is food, so yeah, you know, that, that really wouldn't go well with this. Yeah, it's like, 
gluttony, for a better term, is good. And keep in mind that, like, I think the average amount you win in one day, I mean, there, there's, if you're a really good player, you can win higher than that. It's maybe about a hundred um, dollars, so they'll say like, okay, here's the lot um, for, and they'll say, well, if you um, come back tomorrow, you're just eighty dollars away from winning this fur coat, but you have to win the game and hope that somebody isn't as quick on the buzzer as you are. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but then if you keep playing, keep playing, it's like, well, for three hundred dollars, you get everything here on the stage: this Lincoln Town Car, a fur coat, a um, new inter home entertainment system, a trip to Paris. Right. Seven thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, and see, I wonder if. And, and this is a thought, like, some of these shows, like, I, I keep, you know, I sit and I think to myself, I wonder if this would be a show that they'd bring back. Like, game, like, Sale to Cedric. Tattletales, I think they would bring back. Tattletales would be, Tattletales that they brought back, they'd have, well, actually, when the show was originally on, they had couples that weren't married, too. But, yeah, um, so they could do that. They could, um, but Sale to Century, they did bring back, like, five years ago, and it sucked. See, I didn't called, even remember. It was called Temptation. Oh, sorry. It was called Temptation, <laughs> the new sale of the century. It's on YouTube. Watch if you dare. It's really bad. All right. The other show I want to mention, speaking of dare, is Double Dare. Oh, my God. But not the Mark Summers version. Believe it or not, Years before Mark Summers and Nickelodeon ruled the game show air with Double Dare, mm -hmm. there was another game show called Double Dare. Mm -hmm. Minus the slop and obstacle course and kids. Yeah. And it's kind of more subdued. This show, which only lasted a year, mm -hmm. was hosted by Alex Trebek. In all of his Afro Yes, that scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> Where from a generation of youth did Alex He's gray. He's got great hair. Um, so with this show, which by the way, they use the the card sharks theme was originally used for Double There. Um, so for this one, it, it was basically. They give you clues of a person, place, or thing. If you get it right, you got like $100. Then if you thought that your opponent could not get the next clue right, you get $50. That would be a dare. And then if you go for the double dare, which was like $150, you'd think that that person would not get it. So the object is to get the $500. Then you win the game, and then you go to the bonus round where you have to face the spoilers. Oh, God. The spoilers are three university doctors. They're really dull people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are, like, the most I, boring people. I think they tell the producers, like, the don't smile whatever you do. Oh, my God, it's terrible. They're, like... So, in, in, in that, in the bonus round, you get bonus or a person, place, or thing, and then there are eight clues, four of which you have to give to the spoilers. Mm -hmm. The other four you can pass if you think they will get the answer. Mm 
And the object of the game is, or of that round, is by the end, you must have at least one person still there that could not get it right. And you'd win $5,000. Yep. So, it was a very interesting game show. Um, I think... Uh, that one I don't think will come back, but the concept is good. I like the concept. I think for the spoilers that they ever did bring it back, yes, get you know university doctors, but have them have personality, please. Yeah, the problem with reviving a lot of panel-driven shows is that nowadays um, definitions of celebrities are like, well, this person's a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. And like. Yeah, but I've never heard of them. <laughs> this person has a web show. Great. Hi. Yeah. And also, they're bringing back to tell the truth, and it looks horrible. That's. Oh, they are. They're bringing back to tell the truth on ABC with a live band, and that's all. A I live band. Yes. No. It's horrible. Hosted by Anthony Anderson. So. Well, Anthony Anderson might save it. I do love it. He's good. He's good. Yeah. I mean, I don't watch Blackish, but he is good. But let's just say that I'll probably be complaining about this with you. But have they yeah. have they set a date of when it will air? Um, let's see. The most recent news I have heard, and this is in July, so I might still be tweaking it. Of course, Betty White would be on the panel because that's what they're. You know, to lure in the, the old viewers is to get Betty White. Aww. You know, because they're like, well, Betty White. No, well, not the old viewers, but the classic game show aficionados are like, well, Betty White's appearing on it, then it must be okay. No, it's not. Why? Um, I'm, I'm just curious. Why hasn't anyone used Betty White for their campaign to be president? You know, if you, if, yeah, if you use Betty White, you will probably win the election. God. God bless that woman. I know, right? Okay, so it is to tell the truth. Um, rebooted on um the panel will be um Nene leaks from the Real Housewives. Of oh Atlanta. God, really? So just shoot me now. Okay. Because. All right. Hold on, let me let me tell my dad. Hey, dad, get a gun. Danielle wants to be shot. <laughs> oh, he won't do it, though. No, I'm not shooting. See, he won't shoot you. We're not going to start a gun control discussion. <laughs> no, we're not. No, we're not. We're <laughs> not. Not on this show. Hi, Mr. Yanko Leaks. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> we're not discussing. Um, anyways. Hi, um, Danielle. Um, I'm fine. Thank okay. you for not picking on gun owners because we don't hurt anybody. <laughs> All right. So the article says um, ABC has announced its plans to revive the old game show to tell the truth as a comedic game show variety show hybrid. Well, it was always thought of as a comedy game show. I mean, well, can I just say real quick, like, I remember when they came out in the 90s with it, and like late 90s, and I watched oh, yeah. it with my parents, and that was a good version. Okay, um, but the best, all right, the celebrities' guessing skills come with high stakes. The worst performing panelists will have to tweet a lie about themselves to the world. 
Okay, that's stupid. It gets stupider. Um, but perhaps the best news of all, the show's scorekeeper is none other than Anthony Anderson's own brassy mother, Doris, who not only gets to ask questions, but will be embarrassing her son every chance she gets. Now, you know what? I'll say this. She was good on Celebrity Family. She Feud. was, yeah. I, so I have no problem with that. You gotta give her credit for that. Like, like I would have my mom do it, too, if I was the host. And Danielle's met my mom, and she's talked to her, so, I, you know. Um, but, um, anyways, um, I'm also in a To Tell the Truth discussion group, and To Tell the Truth is one of those shows that's kind of, like, I watch it varying on the subject. Yeah. Disgusting. Like, um, I, I do love the old black and white panel shows. I love What's My Line. I love I've Got a Secret. But to tell the truth, it really depends on what they're trying to get that I really care about. Because mm -hmm. a lot of them are things like bullfighters. And I'm like, I don't really care. I remember, and, and surprisingly, this is the only one I remember from yeah. when they did it in the 90s. Um, oh, what a surprise, Bill. You remember this one. No. Um, they had a wrestling uh, trainer by the name of Les Thatcher. Mm -hmm. on the show so you know they they had the three because we used to guess we would always guess yeah and i was like okay i can't do this one i know who it is like when i saw the face i was like nope can't do it cannot do it i know who it is <laughs> yeah it's well, the unique thing about To Tell the Truth is that you play along at home because it doesn't tell you till the end of the game who it is. Exactly. So So it's kind of... And also, Rule the Real, Please Stand Up, that is where it came from. Yes, it the is. M&M. Yes, it is. The truth. So. All right. Okay. Um, I'm going to play... And I actually have a clip. Okay. All right. I'm going to play... One of the best songs, not only of the 70s, but probably of all time. Okay. Do you know what song this is? But... Oh, yes, I do. Okay, I'm going to lower the volume on the song. Because right. I do like this, and I haven't heard it in a while. Right. Carly Simon has revealed who the song You're So Vain is about. Um, I'll read this article. Carly Simon has always been a mysterious girl on and off the stage, but her memoir that arrives next week goes in detail about her personal life. Simon writes about six tragic events, mostly about men that will break your, excuse me, that'll break your heart. So let's get to the best part. What, who is the song Your Sylvain is about? Well, it's been revealed, folks. In the book, she says that Your Sylvain is about Warren Buffett. Um, let me find... Let me find, um... I heard... Or I was it Warren Beatty? Oh, yeah, Warren Beatty. That's it. I'm sorry. It yeah. was Warren Beatty. Yeah. Here we go. You're so vain. 
You probably think this song is about you. You're so hey. Okay, I'm not gonna quit my day job. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Warren Beatty is the person that Carly Simon talks about in the song You're So Vain. So, and I had heard, like, other, like, I, I think um, there was a record producer that was one of the people that I had heard at the time. Yeah, it's the only, it's more than one person. The second verse is about Warren, though. Right. Yeah. Oh, who, I think, crap, I can't remember who the other person is. Well, that's the thing. The other person is still a secret. Um, I, he was a um, thing, uh, I can't think of his name, but there was this guy, he was a network television executive, and he um, wanted, um, he did a charity auction, and Carly Simon, one of the things she was auctioning off was the, um, was the identity, the identity of the person who, um, who you were so famous about, he paid like thousands of dollars to get the answer. So he was allowed to reveal it to six people. They had to sign like a confidentiality agreement. Oh my god! At a dinner party. I. And all he was allowed to do was publicly reveal one of the letters of their of his name. That was it. See, I don't know if I could have kept it away from all you guys. I. Because uh, I I just would have told everyone, hey, this song is about such a site. Yeah, because that would really drive me crazy. And I've heard for years that they think it's McJagger. No, it's not McJagger. They they think it's because there's a line about um, the way you do some sort of walk and McJagger is known for doing this walk. No, it, I, it's not Mick. I mean, part of me... I think it's a record... I know it's a record producer. I can't think of the guy's name. Oh, oh. Oh, James Taylor? No, that no, that was her husband. Yeah, I, I thought it was about James Taylor at one point, but I don't. Now I remember, I think it was about a year and a half ago, where there was a story that came out where Carly Simon told Taylor Swift who it was, and the people were like, "Oh my God, that's the last person you tell." You know, a secret to it because she's gonna blab it out and blah blah blah. She's just passing the torch. Oh man. Well, the they think it is either about oh, they've given out two letters an A, an E, and an R. A. Oh, well, maybe that's Warren B. Okay, maybe not. Yeah. Okay, but um. Okay, the second verse is about Warren Beatty. Yeah, that's... Yeah. And while Warren thinks the whole song is about him, he is only the, su the subject of only that verse, with the remainder of the song referring to two other still unnamed men. That's going to be one of life's great mysteries. Yeah, so... Forever. So far... Oh, David Geffen, that's who they think that that's is. It. That's it! That's who it was. Yep, David Geffen. Okay, Dick Ebersol. That's who got it. Dick Ebersol bid fifty thousand dollars. Oh well, at, well, he could afford that at a charity auction. See, Dick Ebersol could afford that because he's been with NBC like forever. Yeah. So he could afford that. So um, and then um, 
wow, there are all kinds of people it's been speculated. Yeah. David Bowie. Mm. David Cassidy. I don't even want to think. <laughs> Cat Stevens. No. Uh, I don't want to even think about how David Cassidy figures into this. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, with this show, this particular episode, I think we've made a lot of history today. Yeah. Um, first guest on the show, unexpected, my dad. Um, <laughs> first musical clip we've actually used for the entire song. <laughs> Then we have to pay a royalty. <laughs> X nay on the royalty a. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> actually, um. Oh wow. Who who? David uh, Geffen is openly gay. Well, that makes this even more interesting. Um. Now I think the line that would convince me if I was like really thinking into this song. Real quick is. Um, when Carly mentions that, you know, he, David Geffen took her to Saratoga, which is a racetrack. Yeah. And his horse naturally won because he mm -hmm. did own horses at the time. So I could see that. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Good. Um, all right. So if this ever comes up again, mm -hmm. which we're not really sure, um, we'll... We'll probably play the clip again and talk more about the song. Sadly, I think the only way we'll ever know who the whole thing is about is if she passes away. Like, it, it could be, like, in her note that or letter that she releases to the public. Yeah. Like, I, this is who the song was. But I think it would ruin the myth. Like, it would ruin the fun of the myth of the song. Yeah. Yep. Like, I would wait until I died. And met Carly Simon, you know, in heaven, and then asked her there. And then yeah. when I get murdered in heaven, I would then go to super heaven. Super heaven? That was a robot chicken skin. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. okay. I'll, I'll tell you about it after the show. I, 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 I am familiar with robot chicken. Okay. Now, speaking of weird, funny shows, um, guess what's making a comeback? What? Mystery Science Theater 3000. Well, I think it's about time. Yes, it is. And you know what? I've been addicted to this show for the last year because I've been watching, you know, a lot of episodes. And I, I am a movie. I love movies. And, like, because our friend Brian was the one who got me into it. Mm-hmm. Well, they started a Kickstarter campaign this week to raise money, basically to bring the show back. Um, if they had made the goal of $2 million, they would be able to produce three episodes. Their main goal is to get, I think it's like $5.5 million. Excuse me. And that would be able for them, it would be able for them to produce 12 episodes. So they'd be able to do a whole season. And then would probably be able to go from there. So, as of this recording, they have already made the goal of $2 million. As a matter of fact, I'm going to refresh this real quick. And I'll tell you what they've made. 
as of this recording right now, with over 21,000 backers, and I'm one of them, mm -hmm. so far they have made $2,394,988. Wow. Now, would you consider making a pledge if you, if I gave you the link? Because you can make... What, I, have you ever pledged anything on Kickstarter? Um, I think... I, yeah, I've um, I donated to the Reading Rainbow campaign. Oh, okay. So you know then how it works. I don't have yeah. to explain it. Um, so they've already made the $2 million goal, so we'll get our three. So we're guaranteed at least three episodes. Um... Of course, like I said, the, the ultimate goal for them is five and a half million dollars, and they'll do 12 episodes, which would be an entire season for them. Yeah. And for those of you who, you know, it's Thanksgiving, and you don't want to be around, you know, your family, and, you, you know, because you got the annoying, you know, uncle or aunt or family member that you just don't want to be hanging around with. Um, Mystery Science Theater 3000 is doing their Turkey Day Marathon, which is going to be six classic episodes of Mystery Science Theater, along with new fan mail and art during the marathon and on social media. You can, uh -huh. you can actually RSVP for this event on Facebook. Um, and then, of course, there's the question of, okay, where can I watch it? How can I watch it? Well, there's so many different ways that you can watch it. Um, I know you can watch it on uh, Yahoo. Yahoo's been um, something that's been... Uh, that's going to be one of the places. I think Apple TV. Um, there's just going to be a lot. Of, or actually, here it is. I'll get you a list right here. Um, you can watch it on the computer at bringbackmst3k.com. If you have an Apple device, um, Pluto TV app. That's channel 428. On Android, it's also Pluto app. Same with Amazon, uh, okay. Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. For Roku, it is Pluto TV, and it will be on channel 545. And for those who have, say, like a Samsung TV, Sony TV, TiVo, Vizio, or an Xbox 360 or an Xbox One, you can watch it on Yahoo. And this will be aired as a live stream. Now the thing with Yahoo, and I'm reading this, they'll have a different version of the marathon available, and it'll be on demand so that you can watch it whenever you want. Mm -hmm. So, and of course, um, if you have you know any of those smart TVs or a Roku, there is a Shout Factory TV app that you can download. Um, you can watch the shows for free. You just have to deal with the commercials. 
also I've heard, um, I don't know if this is similar, but um, a girl at my job was telling me that um, some movie theaters do like kind of like mystery science theaters. Yes. Yeah. Okay, good thing you mentioned that. Because uh, uh, there's a group there's a group called Rift Tracks, which features some of the people from the show. And in the month of December, they are going to do a live screening of them doing, basically making fun of a movie. This is uh, the 3rd of December when it's going to happen. You ready for the movie they're going to do? What? You, and you've never heard of this movie. But let me tell you, it, it just sounds, when you hear the title, it just sounds like what you think it is. Uh-huh. Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. Oh, my. Yes. Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. It's like they made this movie specifically for this purpose. All right. Let me, let me read. Okay. Because I never heard this show until I heard a podcast. I listened to a podcast. And they used to do bets where... You know, whoever lost the bet would have to review the movie. So, this guy um, finally won a bet. And this was the movie he chose. I never heard of this movie in my life. Uh-huh. The first time I heard it. I just busted out laughing. Um, let's see. Do you want the short version, like the short description, or the synopsis? It doesn't matter. Um. All right, I'm gonna then I'm gonna give you the um, the synopsis then. Okay. So this will be a little bit of a spoiler for those that don't want to stay and watch the movie, which is actually on DVD. <laughs> it, it's cut twelve minutes off, but um. But anyway, um. Here, here's, the, here's the synopsis. In Santa's workshop in the North Pole, Santa's elves sing about Christmas nearing and Santa's absence. Meanwhile, on a beach in Florida, Santa's sleigh has become mired in the sand, and his reindeer have flown away to escape the heat, leaving him stuck. Santa sings a song bemoaning his troubles, uh-huh. then falls asleep. Uh-huh. Several local children hear Santa calling them telepathically and run to him. Santa awakes and explains his predicament. One boy asks why Santa does not fly back to the North Pole on a plane. He explains that he cannot abandon his sleigh and needs their help pulling it out of the sand. The kids then bring him several animals, including a pig, sheep, donkey, horse, and gorilla. Meanwhile... Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn watch and comment on the action from a distance. Doesn't this sound lovely, kids? Okay. When all, oh, nowhere. But there's more. When all the children's attempts fail, Santa encourages them not to give up hope and tells them a story about a girl who visits the theme park, Pirate's World, and hears the story of Thumbelina as an example. A previously produced film of Thumbelina, directed by Barry Mahone, who directed this movie, plays, um, complete with the film's original credit sequence, excuse me, and runs longer than its frame story. 
alternate prints of this movie use another Mahone movie, Jack and the Beanstalk, as Santa's story. After the story, Santa encourages the kids to always believe. One girl tells Santa that her dog, Rebel, can do anything. The kids leave. Santa takes off his coat and falls asleep. He wakes up and puts his coat back on when the kids return in an antique fire engine, singing about how they will help Santa. The engine is being driven by the titular Ice Cream Bunny, whom Rebel has summoned. The bunny, the bunny offers to drive Santa to the North Pole, and they depart. The children realize Santa's, uh, Santa's sleigh is still stuck in the sand and wonder what to do before it teleports to the North Pole, waiting for Santa's arrival. Oh my god. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful movie, folks? Very confusing. Yep. Very. I, I think the guy was on a lot of drugs. Uh, how this was not nominated for an Academy Award, I do not know. <laughs> uh, I, my head is stuffed up, so it's hard to really process all of that. That's probably a good thing. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alright. Well, why don't we get into what this show's theme for this month is about which is thanksgiving um of course we're recording this a week before thanksgiving um but i but we're going to talk about danielle and i you know some of our you know what we have and maybe some stories that we might remember from thanksgiving past and other memories that we have yeah. so do you want to start it off or should i um, well, uh, let me think. Um, I don't really have any, um, we just always got together and we had dinner. I mean, we didn't really have any, um, really, um, huge traditions that I can recall. Mm -hmm. But, um, I do remember... <clears throat> I do remember, um, there is, a, um, we watched the parade every year. Yeah. Um, and, um, even though, um, it's not the same, you know, I, I rip on it and say, you know, it's not what I grew up with. It was, it was, but, um, he, uh, but, um, my mom, is a huge fan of Ann Curry. Ann Curry used to be on the Today Show. She used to be a huge fan of Today Show. Ann Curry was fired from the Today Show. Mm -hmm. So my mom is so pissed about this. She's so pissed about this. This happened like maybe five years ago. That she refuses to give the Today Show any ratings whatsoever. And unfortunately, the Today Show are the correspondents for the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. So... A couple, so my mom refuses to watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade now, which means I gotta watch the Crappy Parade on the other channel. No offense to the Crappy Parade on the other channel, but it's the Crappy Parade on the other channel. <laughs> it basically makes up for the fact that they're at the other end of the street, so it's like, whatever you miss on the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade, you can go turn here ten minutes later and see it. 
And then they try to cut footage of parades in other states to make you feel like, well, hey, at least you're seeing something else. Mm -hmm. So we watched that, and um, sometimes we watched the um, dog show. The dog show comes after the parade. We watched dogs. Dogs are cute. Right. Um, but um, I don't really um, remember a whole lot. Like, you know, we're always, we just, you know, sort of eight and um watch TV, and, um, I don't really, I do remember being in school, and when I was in school, it would always be the day before Thanksgiving would be grandparents' day at school, so that you'd bring your grandparents to school, right. and I remember one of my favorite Thanksgiving Day books when I was a kid was called The Capleton Thanksgiving, if you ever find this book, it's a really funny book. But it's about the Tappleton family. Each member of the Tappleton family has their own specific dish that they're in charge of for Thanksgiving. Okay. And they each screw, somehow manage to screw it up. Like, the dad goes to the store and they're sold out of pies. The sister's on the phone while she's making the mashed potatoes and the mashed potatoes are always, um, The brother accidentally feeds the vegetables to his pet rabbit so there's no salad. You know, it, it's so, and none of them know that these things have happened, so they try to cover each other's shit. Mm -hmm. It's a funny book, and there's all these family members coming over, and they're like, oh, crap, okay. But it's a really funny book. It's called Chapleton's Family Thanksgiving, if you ever get a chance. Very cool. Don't track it down on Amazon. <coughs> 20 years old, but it's a good book. All right, now, what would you, what, what would you normally have for Thanksgiving for dinner? Yeah. Um. Well, the usual, um, we have, um, turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce, and, um, sometimes my mom does twice-baked potatoes, um, those are good. Green bean casserole, I love green bean casserole. And, um, sometimes macaroni and cheese, I love macaroni and cheese. Mm -hmm. ah, God, I'm making myself hungry. <laughs> um... And sometimes there have been times in the past where because of certain situations, we've had to go out to dinner on Thanksgiving oh. and um, we went to a one year we went to a, um, this place no longer exists. At least I don't think it exists, but it was called Horn and Horn. It was a fancy restaurant. Well, not fancy restaurant. I guess you could say, um, remember Sizzlers? It was kind of like, yeah, I remember Sizzlers. Yeah. It's kind of like Sizzlers. It was called Horn and Horn, and we had Thanksgiving dinner there one year. And then another year, we went to my grandfather's favorite restaurant over in East Baltimore um, for dinner. And, I mean, going out to dinner on Thanksgiving, the upside is you don't have to worry about putting away leftovers. Right. That is always, that is, like, my least favorite thing. Because <laughs> we're always, like, rearranging the refrigerator and... Uh, and all this stuff just to get all the um, plates in. and uh, I, That is my least favorite thing. And also, it always seems like the food tastes better the day after Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. not the day of. I mean, it's good the day of, but it tastes like even better for some reason, like the second day. And I don't know why. I, I agree with that. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, did you have any more? Or no, no, you can go on ahead. Okay. Um, well, 
I'll start with what we usually have. Uh-huh. Um, well, obviously turkey. Um, we'll have mashed potatoes, green okay. beans, um, rolls. And then sometimes with the corn, we'll either have it as regular corn or we'll have it um, <coughs> like they do at, at the Mexican restaurants. Uh, and, I, and I can't remember the name of it. But you know which one I'm, you know, do you know the one I'm talking about where they're like all smushed up and. Yeah. So, you know, we would, we've had that for some yeah. years. Um, there'd also be like pumpkin roll bread and, and, and it would be a nice, you know, a nice dinner. Um, sometimes, I mean, like I, I will watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade because it doesn't matter who's presenting it. You know, yeah. I will watch it because I, you know, I just want to, I just want to see some of the stuff that they have there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, and and obviously, you know, the big draw is Santa. That's the big draw. Um, and then for a while, when I was younger, um, my uncle and his family would come over for Thanksgiving dinner. And this was my, you know, this was my childhood. Um, but the last 10 plus years has been just my family. And then obviously with the nephews, you know, okay. they're there as well. Um, although I will tell you guys one funny story. Uh, there was one year where my brother and our cousin. Oh, they, they'd have fun on Thanksgiving. Oh, my gosh. Well, this one year, they got into a whipped cream fight. <laughs> so they'd have oh bottles of whipped cream, and they're spraying it at each other. <laughs> and we're just laughing. And meanwhile, my aunt is like, stop doing that. You're wasting all the whipped cream. You, you know. And then I end up getting some whipped cream in my hair. Let me tell you what I did. I rubbed the whipped cream into my hair. And oh my. I was sour for like three days. <laughs> uh, and then we've also had the misfortune on some occasions where our you know, appliances have broken down, either on Thanksgiving Eve or Thanksgiving Day. Ooh. There was one year where our oven broke. Like, it broke down. And this is the advantage of having someone that, you know, works at a church as not only a neighbor, but a good friend. They let us take the turkey to the church no one was in the church and they let my dad cook the turkey in the oven of their church so that was one year and then the dishwasher broke one year to where my sisters were cleaning the dishes in the bathtub so 
we've also had, I mean, like, we've had some misfortune, and we've also had some fortune as well. Hmm. And then, of course, you know, the football games, but it's not really that big of a deal, so. Well, I hope your appliances are all cooperating. Yes, knock on wood. I'm really, <laughs> I can't say that's ever happened to us. Knock on wood. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, now, do you guys do Black Friday sales? Like, do you guys go out? Um, well, yes and no. We go out, but we go out, like, later. Like, um, we go out, like, later in the day. Okay. So, it's not, like, we're not getting up to the crack of dawn. We don't do that. Um, but... What we did last year, and we're probably going to do this year, is we got out, like, after noon. So, um, we're probably going to do that again this year. Um, and I hate to say it, but sometimes it's to get stuff for ourselves. <laughs> we do get stuff for other people, but a lot of times the big sales we're hitting, mm -hmm. it's for something like, like, I bought a Kindle last year. Right. And my which which is what you use... When we record. No, or not not all the time. No, I don't use a Kindle when I record. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. Oh, you don't? I'm using my laptop. Oh. Yeah, no, I don't record in my Kindle. No, oh. I only use my Kindle to read. Oh, what? It, oh, man. Yeah. My, but, brain is, um, my brain is in another dimension. That's okay. <laughs> um, and, like, last year, Mr. Skinner Bush and I got a Wii U. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because um, it's still pretty crowded, and I just, yes, I understand Black Friday is wrong in some respects, and I think, you know, people getting there at 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving is insane. Oh, my God, yes. One of my favorite stores, Kohl's, is actually doing that, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not sitting out there. Cause it's, I never did it the night of, because first of all, the temperature is like 30 degrees lower than, I'm, like, I'm not freezing myself off. I, oh, go ahead. At least during the day, you can get inside right away. Uh -huh. I have never understood the fascination of going to a store, sitting outside at whatever time it is, right. to wait basically all night to open a store to buy stuff. I think that's just the stupidest thing. And I, I And it, I blame... Oh, go ahead. It's stupid, but I laugh at it at the same time because, like, I know people who are outraged. I'm like, this is horrible. This is a terrible question on society. I laugh at it because it's just so ridiculous. Oh, like, I laugh at it, too. You, you have to laugh at it. Like, I remember the news I don't know if they're going to do this again this year, but they used to send um, Channel 11. There was a supporter on Channel 11, and they always sent him to the most dangerous places. They would, <laughs> they would send him to, um, I think, when Hurricane Irene hit, he was down at Ocean City covering it. When there's a blizzard, they would send him out in it sometimes, and they'd send him down to Toys R Us at 11 p.m. on Thanksgiving break, and that was almost as dangerous. I mean, like, uh, what was I going to say here? Um, but no, I mean, like, it just makes the... I've never done it. Yeah. Um, so, 
it's just I, I I just have never done it, and I don't think I ever will do it. I deliberately take it off the work belt because my job is right down the street from Towson Town Mall. Towson Town Mall is a four-story mall. I already know if I tried to get to work, I would be it would be backed up, traffic, and in fact, I remember I had stayed home one year and I was watching the news. And Towson Town Mall, they have a, um, it's like a, I think it's like six-story parking garage or something. Mm -hmm. And there were people on the rooftop. The um, the traffic helicopter was um, flying overhead. And there was like a line of cars on the rooftop level waiting for a parking space. Wow. So I just said, I'm glad. So I deliberately take it off because... I'm like, I, I take the bus to work. I don't want to get stuck in traffic. Yeah. It, it's it's insane. And um, so I, I'm not, but I'll go, I'll go to the mall just to see, you know, what's there, whatnot. And, um, but I'm not one of those crazy, oh, and I, and I have waited in line a while, but I'm not one of those crazy, oh God, shove through people, nearly kill myself. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, though, that the new tradition for me, which I think you know about, um, and I'm doing this again this year, right. is doing a 5K that, uh -huh. um, that I've done, um, really for the five years that they've been, you know, doing this, and I, um... And it's just real fun to do. Um, I'm, I'm not going to get into too much detail because I did talk about it on another show that I did. Um, but, no, it's a real fun thing to do. Plus, it's a good way to get, you know, some of that Thanksgiving food out of your system. So, yep. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Thanksgiving, to me, thank, no one should be alone on Thanksgiving. No. Thanksgiving and Christmas are the two days nobody should be alone. And New Year's, too. You don't want to be alone New Year's Eve. Eh, that, that's more of a party. I don't know. Well, I mean, alone is in you don't want to be sitting by yourself. Not, like, if you're with one or two people, that's fine. But like, right, right. You, you don't want to be... <laughs> it's kind of sad, almost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, Thanksgiving is a fun time. Um, does your family do that whole let's go around the table and say what we're thankful for? No. Neither does mine. No, we don't. We are not the Waltons. Oh, man. Oh, man. And if we suddenly started acting like that, I'd be really weirded out. But no, we are not that family. We'll always have the door open. We are not... That sentimental. Oh no, no, we are not. We we pray. That's about it. Yeah, that's really about it. And I mean, even that, and that's probably one of the few times you'll ever hear that. Um, but yeah, yeah, we we're not. Um, we don't do that. Yeah. I think we might have done it when I was a kid, but you know, hmm. maybe because I suggested we did it because that's what my school was like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah, we're just like. Whatever we're here, let's eat. Exactly, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Plus, another cool thing is you get to do Thanksgiving dinner 
early in the afternoon. That's another cool thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Where dinner is usually like 5 or 6 o'clock on Thanksgiving, you could have it at like 2, two yeah. or 3 in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Well, because there's so much of it, you know. Oh, okay. I just remember one more story. I, I yeah. can't believe I did not bring this one up. Uh-huh. Um, and this is sort of a famous Bill story in my life, in, in, right. Bill, in Bill history. Right. Um, when I was in high school, um, my homeroom teacher, who was also my math teacher, he would talk about, you know, how he was over at the University of Maryland for track and field and all that. Uh-huh. So I made a bet with him. And to those who have ever heard this story, you guys are going to love how this goes. I made a bet with my teacher. Uh-huh. And it was on one game. Redskins at Giants. Okay, so keep that in mind. Okay. Here's the bet. If the Giants won, which was his team, mm-hmm. he, his wife, who also worked at my high school, and their child, their daughter, could come over to my house for Thanksgiving. Oh. If the Redskins had won, they could never come to my house. And let me pull up the score from that particular game. Because the final score of that game, New York Giants 19, Washington Redskins 17. So I lost the bet. Oh my goodness. Yep. And 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 we did have proof. Um, I don't know where the picture is now, but we did have proof that all three of them did come for Thanksgiving. Now they didn't come for dinner. They came at the time for dessert. Yeah. And I'll never forget this. When we went back on Monday, uh, my teacher was saying to me, you know, our daughter really liked having dessert first before dinner. <laughs> so, but yeah, I I lost the bed, took it like a man, and they came over and we all had a good time. Yeah, that's good. Yep. Um, so the moral is, don't ever make a Thanksgiving bet with your teacher. No. <laughs> Just don't bet with your teacher. That's... No. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I that's mean... I, um, I yeah. Well, you know what? We've talked about so much stuff. Yeah. That you know what, Danielle? What? We still have to do our picks for the month. Yes. We do. Now, I actually have my movie of the month. I still have not figured out my album yet. So Neither have I. Oh, good. So maybe while I describe my movie, it'll give you time for your album. Yeah. Let's, let's the, the movie for me, my movie of the month, and this might be the most controversial pick that we'll ever do on this show. Um... This year is the, again, another anniversary, is the 100th anniversary 
of really the first epic movie. And it is controversial for a lot of reasons, but this is a really good movie. And the movie is The Birth of a Nation. Uh, it's directed by D.W. Griffith. It came out in 1915, so that's so. This is probably the oldest, um, you know, movie that we'll ever have on this show, unless we find something even older than that. Um, but this is a movie that's really broken up. It's about the Civil War, but it's really broken up into two parts. Uh, the first part of the movie is basically the Civil War like the end of the Civil War and the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second half is basically the rise of the Klan. Now, I did not pick this movie, be, or I do not like this movie because of the whole racial stuff, because there really is a lot of racist things in this movie. Um, I mean, there's one white person that's black-faced in the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's just... I mean, it really is, from a historic standpoint, a really good movie. If you ignore all, you know, the whole racial thing and the controversy about it, and you actually watch the movie, it's it's a pretty good movie. Um, the American Film Institute, when they came out with their list of the 100 greatest movies of all time back in 98, this movie was ranked number 44 on the list. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know that, you know, excuse me, the, you know, how important, this is a very important movie for for the history of movies because this is the first true epic movie long before Gone with the Wind, long before Ten Commandments, Ben-Hur, Lawrence of Arabia. Birth of a Nation is basically the first epic movie. And, and like I said, if you can ignore all the racial stuff, and you watch it, I think you will enjoy it. Um, Woodrow Wilson was the first person that saw this movie at the White House. And he really liked the film. He really did. Um, of course, um, because of this movie, uh, the next year, D.W. Griffith came out with, a with another movie, another epic, called Intolerance. And I saw that one. I was not a fan of of intolerance. I almost said I'm not a fan of intelligence. Well, I'm not a fan of intelligence either, but um, I, I really wasn't a big fan of intolerance. I, I, I just did not like it. Um, but I really do prefer Birth of a Nation. I really do prefer that movie for this month. Mm. Okay. 
Well, mine is on a totally different end of the spectrum. Oh my God! Yes, it is. <laughs> um, it's a very widely known movie. Um, I, I I try to keep them in line of the month, you know. And this is sort of um, it doesn't take place during Thanksgiving, but it certainly has. It takes place during the fall. And it kind of sort of reminds you of Thanksgiving, but mm -hmm. it's not a Thanksgiving movie. That's Meet the Parents. You ever? I have seen Meet the Parents. If you if you haven't seen it, see it. It is hilarious. It, it is really good. It is good. The sequel is in, but Meet the Parents is a very funny movie. Um, also, keep in mind, it was made in 2000. Before 9-11, so there's one joke in it that you might be like, oh. But keep in mind, it was made before 9-11 happened. So there's some stuff. Which is kind of cool because it looks like a recent movie, but it's 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really hit you until little parts like that in the fact that characters are using payphones. Oh, but, God, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it doesn't really hit you. Because, you know, because the cars they're driving, people still drive these days. And, you know, and there's stuff in it that people use now. But it, it's it's 15 years old. And it is a great movie. Um, it basically is everybody's worst nightmare. <laughs> that, you know, you meet your um, significant other's parents and... Everything that can possibly go wrong goes wrong. Goes wrong. Yep, you're gonna have to do it sooner or later. You're gonna have to. But hey, you can't be as bad as this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff that just happens, it's like, oh man. And I, I kind of like comedies where the bad stuff just sort of escalates and escalates. Like, like, oh my god, like, what else is gonna happen? But yeah, it's my favorite Ben Stiller movie. My favorite, um. And Robert Niro is just... <laughs> He's really good in this one. I mean, yeah, it, it, is, it is good. The sequels, the first one, this, um, what really works, though, is this one is about, because they're, they're going, um, he's meeting the parents, um, they're going to her sister's wedding. So the supporting characters are um, the parents, their um, family and her sister's soon-to-be in-laws. So they kind of made it funny. Whereas the sequel is about them meeting his parents. So it's just his parents, um, not her sister's in-laws, not the brother. The mm -hmm. brother's just sort of like been written out of both sequels. And then um, the actress who played her sister died um, shortly after it came in the theater. So she's not in any of the sequels. Oh. Yeah, she she got pneumonia and died like a month after Meet the Fockers came out. So, um, that... So, that, the sequel kind of suffers from that. The third one suffers not only from that, but it also suffers from the fact that you know the actors made it for money. Right. So, if you know that and you watch it, it's kind of hard to sit for it. But, um, but Meet the Parents, um, watch it. Like I said, there's a funny cat suit. <laughs> Mr. Jake. 
In fact, I, this is one of these movies that I own, but if it's on TV, I will watch it, even though I have the DVD and can watch mm-hmm. it without commercials if I really wanted to. Yeah. But it, it's just that good. Okay. Um, did you figure out your album for the month? No, but uh, have you? I have. So we're going to actually do a first here. We're doing a lot of firsts on this one this month. Because usually what we would do, folks, is whoever does the movie last does the album first. So for this yeah. occasion, because Danielle is still looking, which is fine. Because mine is last minute, too. So This is very last minute. Um, so I'm gonna, so I'm gonna tell you guys my album for the month of November, and I only picked this one because of the rumors that have been going around, um, that the original members of Guns N' Roses are gonna get together and they're gonna do a world tour. And for those that, you know, haven't heard, Axl Rose and Slash, they haven't talked to each other in like 20 years and... Now, all of a sudden, they're talking again. So, my album for the month of November is their debut album, Appetite for Destruction. Oh, okay. I bought this album when I was 16. So, I was in high school. <clears throat> and Oh, bless you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Um, this is a very good album. From beginning to end. Um, I mean, yes, the, you know, the big three, Welcome to the Jungle, Paradise City, and Sweet Child of Mine. But there are other songs on here that are really good. It's So Easy, Night Train, Mr. Brownstone, Think About You, and of course, one of my all-time favorite Guns N' Roses songs, My Michelle, with the wonderful opening line that is, you know... It's a good Christian family-based song with the opening line, your daddy works in porno, not at at mommy's, not around. She used to love her heroin, and now she's underground. Wow. Uh, Yeah, isn't isn't that wonderful Christian-based lyrics? (laughs) Um, But no, this is really a very good album. It's one of the best albums of all time. And with the possibility that Guns N' Roses could be coming back, this is my choice for the month of November. Okay. I apologize, because literally, this is so last minute, I just glanced around my room and grabbed the first CD I saw. So, and that CD is Paul McCartney's Greatest Hits. Hmm. I know... I, I, I've, a lot of people I've talked to are not Paul McCartney fans. I, it, it's kind of hard to... But I've always liked Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. And this one, as it is a Paul McCartney, this is his solo. Well, not solo, but um, post-Beatles. Naturally, a lot of the songs on here are by Paul McCartney and Wings. Right. So, um, you have... Uh, my favorite silly love song, looks like my all-time favorite. Right. You have um, Live and Let Die from the James Bond movie of the same name. You have um, one of my, this 
song, I kind of have a weird relationship with um, Band on the Run. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Band on the Run. <clears throat> I only like the first minute of the song. Oh. I am really weird. Like, because the first minute of the song is really good, and it goes, but, uh, but stuck inside these four walls. Mm -hmm. And it's like this nice little mellow kind of retro 70s vibe. And then it, it, it sounds all nice and like you, And it's really good. And then it kind of gets all upbeat and folksy, and it just kind of Wicked Temple, and it's just really weird to me. And I wish they had stayed with that tune a little longer, but that's just me. Right. Um, I also have Coming Up, um, Say Say Fay, his duet with Michael Jackson. That's a good one. That is a good one, too. He did a lot. He um did another duet with Michael Jackson as well that's not on here because it's on Michael Jackson's Thriller, album. Which, which we talked about last month. What? Yeah. Um, The Girl Is Mine. Still recommend listening to that. Um, and also, uh, yeah, Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey. But yeah, so it's called Paul McCartney. Now, I'm sure you could probably find another album in better, with much more of a um, scale of hits. Um, this one only comes with 17, and mm -hmm. it was done in 1987, so I'm pretty sure there's probably been a more extensive collection released since. But right. I'd say, if you're going to get started, if you're a beginner and you would like to get started on the music of Paul McCartney post Beatles, I think this is a good place to start. All right. So, yeah. Okay. Um, well, that's going to do it for this month of Nostalgia Crew. We really we really went deep into a lot of things. I think this is one of our best shows. I would agree. I this really, really as far as diversity goes, yeah. this is probably one of the best shows. Yeah. But I think next month's going to be even better. It's Christmas. Yes, it is Christmas. So, we're going to... Well, not everything's going to be about Christmas, obviously. Yes, and I have a birthday. See? We're also going to mention Danielle's birthday. No, um, it's a very, it's not a very happy birthday, but... Oh, come on. I had a blast. Well... Never mind. Okay. Well, we, 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 we won't talk about it now. We're not going to tell you how old I but, am. Yeah. But, um, besides talking about our Christmas memories, mm -hmm. we're going to do... A very cool thing and I'm really hoping to find a third person no one has come up to the plate because next month we are gonna do our very first nostalgia crew top five and Danielle is gonna know right now because I'm doing this too all right so this is so it's gonna be what what this is gonna be and I'll explain it again in December uh-huh is we are going to pick our five of the topic that I'm about to mention, you, me, and if there's a third person. Okay. And then between the three of us and our list, we will create an ultimate top five. So it'll be sort of like we'll, we'll give our top five and then we'll like 
put it in, like we'll put it in a list and we'll make a debate for one over the other and all that. So for this one, it is going to be the top five Christmas specials. I, I've already got the top two in my head. I'm trying to figure out the other three. I can tell you I'm that. Gonna right. have to dig deep. Yeah, this. we're gonna. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of digging Good. deep. I. Yeah. So, um, that's gonna be one of the things that we will do for the December show. Um, but no, it's gonna be a great way to end 2015 for this show, and then we'll get right into the new year into 2016. Yeah, and um. Not sure if we'll get into this on next month's show or January show, but um, we'll talk New Year's New Year's memories because Bill and I had a few of them. Oh, we got one in particular. <laughs> yeah, we uh, had quite a few. Can, can can we just say that when we do get into that one, Danielle, they're never going to believe this story. They are. I told this story to numerous people over the years, and they're just like. The, uh, folks, <laughs> when we tell you this, you will not You're believe. You're not gonna this. believe. It's but, gonna sound like something out of a Judd Apatow. <laughs> oh my god! It is, and names will be obscure to protect the innocent. Except for Bill's in mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we didn't do anything. We didn't do this. We didn't do this. There's a lot of other people. Yes, that were there. Right. So. A very horrifying experience. Probably the wildest night of my life. Okay. <laughs> Probably. Probably, yeah. Uh, so we so we're already hyping a show two months in advance. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well we could do it next month because technically part of this happened on New Year's Eve. That's true. Well well like Danielle said, we'll see if we get into it. So, if we get into it next month, you guys are going to hear that story. If not, you're going to hear it in January. Yeah. It's, like I said. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, real quick, if you want to join our Facebook group, you can go on Facebook, type and search Nostalgia Crew, or you could click on the link in the description of this month's episode. Well, for Danielle, I'm Bill. This has been Nostalgia Crew, and have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone.